He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it. And will send it back here immediately. They went away and found the colt tied near the door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said. And they allowed him to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for the name of God. Thanks be to Paul Sunday is a Sunday in the life of the church that is so memorable for us that even though we, in a way, skipped it last year, at least if we had known it before, we know it this day, right? It's one of the days that we celebrate it. We, we take a big deal out of Palm Sunday, and Jesus is triumphant march into his kingdom, into Jerusalem. And we value and we revere holy moment of waving palms, as we should. Yeah. If we really embrace this moment, and reflecting upon the story as it's told by Mark, there is no small amount of folly here. There's no small amount of irony in the telling of this story. In those days, he would march back into their cities, victorious after defeating the foes in battle. Kings and soldiers would come riding in on noble steeds. They would have the spoils of war with them. And the city would line up and the procession would be full of cheers and accolades for the winning soldiers and their family and loved ones who had come back home. Now Jesus' tribe and march is in great contrast. Rather ironic, considering that. Because what Jesus does is, well, he rides into Jerusalem triumphant on a borrowed donkey. Almost as if he had taken the donkey without anyone knowing he was going to take it. That's who he rides, that's how he rides into the city. He had won nothing yet. There are no spoils of war. And to recognize it, rather soon it will look like he's been utterly defeated on the so it looks like a defeat is coming. His army, if you will, are sinners and tax collectors and, and fishermen. <laughs> so let's be honest, this is not the most important imposing triumphant march, right? If you were a Roman soldier looking on, which no doubt you were, I'm sure they were mocking I'm sure they were making light of this victory session. And once Jesus is present, we know that. So 
suggesting that God mocked him that day. And I'm asking us to consider the nature, the ironic nature of this whole story today. We live in a world that's defined by success and power and might and being in life, but Jesus came to teach things like dying to self and so on. He said that we must learn to forgive, that we must love our enemies and pray for those who also showed an amazing willingness when confronted with doubts and the harshness of this reality to never waver. He refused to deny his kingship. He refused to waver from his mission. Even Pilate sees that he's not guilty. He's innocent. Pilate says, just, just deny that you think you're the Messiah or the King. You don't have to endure any of this. But Jesus refused. Would not relent. But there's yet one other folly to this story, at least in the eyes of the world. And that folly is Jesus' willingness to love and to remain faithful. But those who will abandon, those who shall Hosanna today will shall crucify him very soon. Only Mary and Mary Magdalene will watch and follow every step of the way. And here we are. With millions of Christians around the world in this very moment, on this very day, waiting pause at a very ironic moment. We're acting like a victory has been won, but no good Friday's coming. We gather to tell the story of a devastating defeat that is about to unfold. And just like it was on this day that Jesus entered Jerusalem. Making a big scene. We're going down close. We're welcoming King who has tested our hearts. Surely, this makes no sense to the world. So, this week I've thought a lot about this word design. I've been drawn back to it. Now, when we think of Rosanna's perhapses, I often do, we, we hear this as a word of accolade and celebrating. Who Christ is. And, and that is right. We are celebrating, indeed, a triumphant empire. Not that I have to the case. It is a victory. But maybe we have the idea of the singing our Rosadas as if, you know, that, that's what happened comes into the arena before the game. And because we know that they've got what it takes. Rosanna itself, we've heard this morning, it's a word, Hebrew, two Hebrew words together, huh? Meaning to save us. We plead with you. Save us. We plead with you. That's a strange way to cheer, right? These are not only cheers of platitude. This is a begging. This is, this is an asking. This is a cry for help. Help us. Save us. What did they mean saving from? We began this letter journey. From Jesus in Galilee, healing the multitude. Too many to finish the task, if you recall. And from that moment on to this moment, many have come seeking help, begging for him to free them from the oppression of an occupying army, free them from their sins, free them from their past, their outcast status in the world because of their faith or their life others. Free them for hope. Because the world seems to be stacked against it, 
free them from us and even things that God is against us. Free us, help us, we thank you. But what are the realities that we have? When we say God was our lives today, what do we need saving from? What is it that inspires you and me? What's behind our desire today? What are we pleading with Jesus to save us? Dare we ask that question? Dare we answer that question? Dare we desire to acknowledge that we need saving? We need saving from our fears, from our pride, our past, from something that's robbing us of life. It would be easier to praise Jesus than to confess our sins and need to save. Here we are today, standing among the crowd, Jesus walking by, riding by on his borrowed donkey, and we're free to plead with him, free us to rescue us. Jesus, save us from the cycle of violence and gun violence that we've seen trapped in. Save us from the bitterness that wants to live in our hearts. Save us from the pandemic. Save us from the failures of our past and our present. Save us what is on our hearts that we each carry today. Save us. We thank you. What a humble cheer Thank you. 
live into our sense of wonder, how the resurrection will bring us new life. We're not so sure yet what the resurrection is going to mean for us, but we do know that in the aftermath of our qualities in this world, Christ will reign. Victor Bogotash. Share one more thing about him, but I'm interested. He came to the United States and he was asked to do an interview. And ironically, and quite funny, I think, on his way to the interview, in the parking lot of the hotel, he had a car crash. A minor one. A crash nonetheless. He showed up for his interview, and the first thing he said was, Every time I'm on ABC, I crash. But then he went on to say that he was glad. He was pleased that his famous film had reminded so many people that being defeated, part of being human, part of the conference said, Welcome to the United He wanted everyone to know that after his great failure, he lived a full, humble, and a happy life as a coach and as a being a forklift truck driver. This is how grace works today. We will all, at some point, be gloriously defeated by this world. We will fall short. We won't be saved. We will perhaps find it folly or even unthinkable that God has so loved us. It may seem folly to you and me to love those that God has called us to love. But the folly of God remains as it always has. And He chooses to love and forgive us. We must do the same. To make this love complete, we must choose to love foolishly, as God has foolishly chosen to love us. It may look like folly to the world to love those God has called us to love, but may we never forget that this foolish love is what saved us. Invitation to follow Jesus today, I perhaps this is simple. To live 